Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. that are sick some of you here plugged up in the head and been sneezing and all that stuff amen we're going to pray that the Lord just brings us favor and health and healing and a little consistency in the temperature wouldn't be bad Matthew chapter number 1 and verse number 18 not every year but every once in a while Around the holidays to bring a holiday sermon. I don't know if this is it, but it'll probably be the one for this year. Matthew 1 and verse number 18, the Bible says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example was minded to put her away privately but while he thought on these things behold the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream saying Joseph thou son of David fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost we touched on that just a little bit last Sunday verse 21 and she shall bring forth a son Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. If you'll allow me just to hold on to the title just for a little bit tonight, we'll get to it here in a bit. But I want to preach here from Matthew 1, 18 through 21, and particularly verse number 21. And she shall bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Amen. Can we pray tonight? God, we need you, Lord, this evening. I pray, oh, Lord, this evening that you're able to help us, Lord, with the power of the Holy Ghost. God, strengthen our minds. God, I pray, Lord, God, let truth, Lord, be shared here tonight. God, I pray, Lord Jesus, your word, God, Lord, is simple, and yet, God, its truths at times are very profound. I pray, oh, Lord, tonight, God, meet us, Lord Jesus, in the word. Strengthen us, Lord, in our lives. Encourage, equip, Lord Jesus, I pray, God, with the Holy Ghost. Lord, and will not fail to thank you in the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen. And the church say amen. Amen. You may be seated tonight in Jesus' name. <clears throat> There's a group of scientists who are very intrigued, have been intrigued by the native grasses of the Yellowstone National Park because these grasses flourish in what's known to be geothermal soil or hot soil. They're very interested in this because, of course, around in the area of the Yellowstone, there is such things like the Old Faithful Geyser. There is the Amphitheater Springs in that area that creates heat in the ground to be hot. And yet, in spite of all of that, Grasses grow in the nearby areas in this geothermal or this hot soil. 
the soil that's around in these areas where this grass is growing, they've taken measurements of it, and the temperature can get up to 158 degrees Fahrenheit, and yet the grass flourishes there. That's very interesting, notably, that normal soils around 50 to 75 degrees Fahrenheit and sustains light, but these are increased by much more than that, and yet grasses grow in that area. These scientists are intrigued because the native grasses can go on and achieve their purpose in such a surrounding and in such an environment. And so as a result of this, they took some of the samples of the grass from the area and they took it back to the laboratory and they began to study these grasses. And they come to find out, they realized that there was a fungus that was growing on these grasses. They did a case study where they took these grasses back to Yellowstone and they situated boxes in the ground of Yellowstone and they planted grasses back in the ground, both the native grass and the native grass also along with its fungus. So they had in these boxes grasses without the fungus and grasses with the fungus in the soil at Yellowstone and they marked what was what, which was which, so that they would know uh, whenever they came back and would study it and look at it again, which was which. And so a year of time elapsed from when they planted those grasses back into the soil at Yellowstone. And whenever they returned to Yellowstone, they found the results of their study. Half of all of the grasses that they planted there were dead. The halves that were dead were the ones that were without the fungus, which by most times we think of fungus as something very negative. But they were without the fungus. As a matter of fact, they discovered this through further study that neither the fungus nor the grass could survive in that environment alone, one without the other. The one required the other in order for each to serve its purpose. This week, uh, my wife and sister Sarah, had, as you can see, did some decorating, if you haven't noticed around the church for the Christmas holiday. And in preparation to decorate, my wife asked me if I would get this huge tree over here out of storage and get the cradle cross over here out of storage. And, of course, we have limited space around here, so we try to make the most of what we have. And uh, last season, whenever I put up the cradle cross, the tree was already put up. But whenever I put up the cradle cross into storage, I, I separated the cross from the cradle for storage purposes because I thought it might store a little better if the cross was separated from the cradle. And so on the day that they asked me to get this all out, I went over into the little shed that we have and I'm toying around this huge box. You can see the size of that tree. It requires a large box for a large tree to go in. And I'm out there. I'm the only one here. I'm wrestling around with that box. I should have probably called for a lifeline. Should have probably called for some help. But I'm tipping that box, you know, one end over the other until I got it into the side door over here and got it into the church. And then I went back out to the shed and I grabbed the cradle or the manger if you will and I brought it in the church then I went back out and I grabbed the cross and I carried it you know into the church as well they were a whole lot easier to manage than that solitary box that the Christmas tree was in but shortly after I got all of that in uh, to the church I sent my wife this text to her a little message I said bring my drill and battery when you come so we can attach the cross back to the cradle. 
And I said, that sounds like a sermon attaching the cross back to the cradle. And that's my subject matter tonight. Just as the fungus in Yellowstone couldn't meet its purpose without the grass, and just like the grass couldn't achieve its purpose without the fungus in that hotbed environment in Yellowstone National Park, neither can the cradle fulfill its purpose without the cross. And nor can the cross complete its purpose without the cradle in our modern day world because the one requires the other for its purpose. We memorialize around this time of year, we memorialize the cradle in the Christmas season. We talk about how he is real. And I, I think I even heard Bishop pray and uh, I think this morning in the circle around back, we talk about how he is the real reason for the season and people all across in their homes and in their lawns and in front of public buildings are setting up nativities with the focal point being the cradle holding the baby Jesus and all the lights are shined right there to bring the significance and the importance of the baby's birth. And we tell our children, even as they are growing up in all of the festivities and the activities that what we're doing, daughter, what we're doing, son, we are celebrating Jesus' birthday. We're doing all this because this is Jesus' birthday and we're celebrating Jesus' birthday. And we do a tremendous job emphasizing the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yet a few months removed from this moment, there is another time of year that with soberness and with seriousness, we highlight the cross during the months of March or April. And it's then that we talk about the significance of his death and what that meant for humanity and how that, if you will, gave us hope and gave us a reason to live. And we underscore that our Good Friday that we celebrate was his bad Friday and we, we talk about all of those concerns but I submit to you tonight if we are not careful these can appear as two separate events on a timeline we can sometimes almost dilute them into two happenings one happening to an infant and another happening to a 33 year old man but it is important and imperative this evening that we attach the cross to the cradle because the 33 year old man convict as he was was also the innocent infant that was in the manger Karen Edmund said this she's an author and a speaker she was telling of some of her Christmas traditions with her children everybody has their own set of traditions but she was telling of hers she has in their living room or in their living space what she calls a, a baby Jesus basket and within that baby Jesus basket are several books amen that would appropriate for children of various ages amen that tell the story of Christmas tell the story of the coming of the child of Jesus and so you know that you, you can look at that from several different ways you've read those type of stories yourself to your children your grandchildren but she calls it the baby Jesus basket and so every year each night throughout the year leading up to the birth if you will of what we say celebrate the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ she'll pick a book from the baby Jesus basket and she will read it to her children she has two children at the time of this ride 
riding a seven-year-old daughter and a three-year-old son. And she'll read a story. It, again, always has a slant toward the Christmas story in some fashion, in some way. That is her tradition. And so she had just shared a book, just read a book to her children about the story of Christmas, the birth of Jesus. When her son Mitchell asked her, she said, he said, Mom, he said, can you read to me a story from the Bible about the other Jesus? She says, what other Jesus? He said, not baby Jesus, but the big Jesus who died on the cross. It was at that moment that she realized that he's not made the connection in his mind that the baby that was in the manger was the man that was on the cross. Can I tell you today, I have a feeling. You say, well, I have no problem with that. Brother McGee, I'm intelligent. I know we're very intelligent. But I believe sometimes we make the disconnect, whether unknowingly or not. Because no one in their right mind wants to attach a cross to the cradle. When we think of a cradle, we think of infants. When we think of a cradle, we think of birth. When we think of a cradle, we think about a little bed or a little cot that a little newborn baby is going to be in. When we think of a cradle or about cradling the head of an infant that's the terminology we use we're going to cradle the head of the infant we're thinking about protecting the child we're thinking about safekeeping the child for that matter when we speak about the cradle of anything you've heard about the cradle of freedom or the cradle of democracy we're talking about the birthplace of that thing the birthplace of an idea when we talk about a cradle we're thinking about something fragile something new and something with a beginning I spent a little time this afternoon and looked up on Google brother Google help me out just a little bit and I began to look up images for baby mobiles that attach to cribs and cradles and as I went through there brother Mason I seen mobiles that had planetary systems on there I seen mobiles that had a variety of animals that was suspended from them. I seen mobiles that had cartoonish people on them. Mobiles that had different items of nature like trees and mountains. And I seen mobiles that had various geometric shapes on them. But I never came across a mobile that had a cross strung from it. I even looked up specifically a baby mobile with a cross. And I could not find a baby mobile with a cross because we don't customarily attach crosses to our cradles because a cross in biblical times was nowhere near the cradle we look on the cross today with admiration because of the sacrifice that took place on the cross because of the Jesus that was on the cross but before that ever took place people did not look on the cross with admiration before that day ever took place the cross was shrouded with negativity the cross was shrouded with disdain the cross was shrouded if you will with ridicule from even the old book the old testament book of Deuteronomy even going forward the bible declares to you that the cross or the tree was a cursed place for a man to hang it was a cursed place for a man to be it was a place for criminals who had committed a crime that was punishable by death 
That was the cross. The cross was rugged. The cross was unforgiving. The cross is where life ended. And so nobody wanted to associate a cross with a cradle. Someone say amen. However, in the New Testament scripture of Matthew chapter number 1, and particularly verse number 21, is the cradle and the cross together. Is innocence and guilt as it would seem together. Life and death together. This is where it began and this is where it ended all summed up in one little verse. Can I remind us tonight that the origin of the cross was the cradle but the destiny of the cradle was the cross and one requires the other in order for their purpose amen to be satisfied. The Bible says in Matthew 1 and verse 21 and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Brother McGee, I don't see no mention of a cross there. I don't see no mention of a cradle there. Well, it's there. And she shall bring forth a son, along with verse number 18. It tells us about the birth of Jesus. She shall bring forth a son. Someone say cradle. For he shall save his people from their sins. That's really telling us about his death. Someone say cross. So within this little verse, the cross is attached to the cradle. Because if he wasn't born, he couldn't die. And if he never died, he wasn't born. I'll go as far to tell you this tonight, that every attempt throughout the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, from infancy until Calvary, every attempt that was made against him for taking his life, wanting to throw him over the brow of a hill, do this or that, is nothing more but a foreshadowing of the day, when not that someone would take his life, but he would give his life on the cross. We almost see it from the very beginning, from the very start, that after Herod hears word of this child being born in Bethlehem's manger, amen, that the, the wise men were supposed to come back and confirm it to him but they left and went another way but when Herod got word that it was so and that child was there a couple years later after Jesus' cradle the Bible says that Herod had all the two year old toddlers and younger in Bethlehem killed all around the coast of Bethlehem killed amen because the cross was trying to attach itself to the cradle death was trying to get attached to life the only reason why tonight that I tell you that the preview of the phrase for he shall save his people from their sins is the cross is because sin always has to be atoned for. I don't have anything new to tell you tonight, but I do have something old that's still yet very much so profound. The Old Testament way. We all go all the way back to the Old Testament. The Old Testament way of atoning for sin, from correcting sin, making things right concerning sin and transgression was always by way of sacrifice. That is the, 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 the mode, that is the theme of the Old Testament. If you sin, you bring a sin offering. If you transgress, you bring 
bring a transgression offering. You're going to bring an animal. That lifeblood of that animal is going to be spilled. It's going to be taken from that animal. Blood is going to be put on mercy seat. Blood's going to be put on the altar. Blood's going to be shed. What for? For the sin of the people. Sin always had to be atoned for and it always required blood and it always required a death. The appropriate animal had to be brought at the appropriate time and it had to be slaughtered and its blood had to be properly, amen, applied to where it was necessary and where it needed to be applied in order for to atone for sin. That is the practice. That is the pattern of the Old Testament. In so much that Hebrews 9.22 tells us, you know the scripture, it tells us without the shedding of blood, there is no remission or removal of sins yet the angel is speaking to Joseph in his dream saying you're going to have a child you're going to call him Jesus and he shall save the people from their sins Joseph knows from the history of the Old Testament sin is not remitted sin is not removed unless there's blood unless there's a sac- someone say amen unless there is a sacrifice what's going on in Joseph's mind (laughs) Lord if you're telling me she's going to bring forth if you're telling me there's a cradle you're also telling me somewhere along the line if you're telling me life you're also telling me there's death if you're telling me there's going to be the innocence of a child then there's something else happening there the cross is connected to the cradle the Bible says in Leviticus 17 and verse 11 For the life, everybody say the life. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh atonement for the soul. Let's just speak in Old Testament times of the sacrifices of bullocks and lambs and let's consider this that when that bull or that bullock or that lamb was born listen to me now when that animal was born its veins held the soul atoning agent called blood from the point of birth (laughs) from the birth that animal had what someday could be or would be Required for another individual's sin. At birth, they had what was required. Their death would make it accessible. Someone say amen. Later in the life of Jesus Christ, he was rightly defined by John the Baptist. You all know in John 1, we've studied it. Behold the Lamb. Of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Can I tell you, just as the Old Testament bull or lamb at the moment of birth had the blood that could have been required for another sin, that Jesus at the moment of birth had what was required for the sins of humanity and just as the animal's death made the blood accessible 
His death makes the blood that he had from birth accessible. Someone say amen. Here's what happens if we don't keep the cross attached to the cradle. If we don't keep the cross attached to the cradle, we got a wellspring supply of blood, but we don't have no bucket to draw with, so to speak. If we don't keep the cross attached to the cradle, we have an inaccessible antidote. It's there, but we don't have access to it. If we don't keep the cross attached to the cradle, we have a remedy walking among us for 33 years, but we don't have no cure if there's no cross. Someone say amen. One requires the other for its purpose. Someone say hallelujah. The old song sometimes we sung it around here. Choirs have sung it. Living he loved me. Dying he saved me. A couple of the verses if I may acquire their lyrics for our purposes here tonight says one day when heaven was filled with his praises. One day when sin was black as could be. Jesus came forth to be born a virgin. Dwelt among men. My example was he. Another verse says one day they led him up Calvary's mountain. One day they nailed him to die on the tree. Suffering anguish, despise and rejection. Bearing our sins, my Redeemer is He. What are you saying? I need the cradle, but thank God I also need the cross. And it is the pairing, the association, the linking of the cross with the cradle that living He loved me and dying, He saved us. Romans 3 23 For all have sinned. Come short of the glory of God. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in, everybody say in, Christ Jesus. Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation. There's a good biblical word. Through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. The plight in life, the plight in the human life that we live is that all have sinned and all have come short of the glory of God. But the promise, the hope is this, that there is redemption in Christ Jesus and even furthermore, I submit to you that this is more than just a figurative statement that there is redemption in Christ Jesus, but I believe a literal statement because redemption is in Jesus because remission is in his blood. Let me say that again. Redemption is in Jesus because remission is in his blood. He is the propitiation. He's been given to us as the propitiation. Let me explain. Propitiation is nothing more but the peace that needs to be made between humanity and God. Because frankly, God doesn't like sin. God hates sin. God doesn't care for sin. Uh Uh-huh. Doesn't like it, doesn't care for it. And sin has to be dealt with in order to bridge the gap between you and him. But you can't do it. 
or the bulls and goats of the Old Testament couldn't do it. It takes a cross attached to a cradle. It takes a cross attached to a cradle. Because the propitiation of the peace that needed to be made with God is in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ for sins past, for sins present, and for sins future. The only way that you get propitiation, the only way that you get redemption, the only way that you get forgiveness is whenever the cross stays attached to the cradle. Someone say amen. First John 4 and verse 9. In this was the manifested love of God toward us. Because that God sent his only begotten son, cradle, into the world that we might live through him. And here in his love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son, cradle. First Timothy 3.16. God was manifest in the flesh. Cradle. To be the propitiation, all right, that's averting the wrath of God by offering a gift. To be the propitiation for our sins. Listen to me. The sending of the Son didn't propitiate in itself. The birth of Jesus didn't appease the wrath of God in itself. The death of Jesus did that. God manifested himself in the flesh, supplied blood that God, who John says is spirit, did not have. Redemption was in Christ because the Bible says in Matthew and also in Luke that the power of the highest overshadowed Mary and she conceived and she gave birth to a baby boy. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I like to read about science. They say, naturally, blood is produced when the male seed fertilizes the egg in the woman during the process of conception. You know what that tells me? Blood becomes apparent. Blood becomes enacted at the moment of conception. Now hear me now. At the moment of conception, the Bible says the spirit of the highest, the power of the highest overshadowed Mary and she conceived. Blood. Redeeming agent. Agent even for propitiation. At the moment of conception. The blood, then I submit to you, was created at conception. It was delivered at birth in the cradle. But it was dispensed. No, no, somebody hear me. It was dispensed through the events leading up to and that followed the cross. Without the cross, someone hear me? Without the cross, you had blood that was created. Without the cross, you had blood that was delivered. 
but with the cross, you had blood that was dispensed. See, the cradle brought the blood to the earth, but the cross brought the blood to the people. You cannot separate the cross from the cradle. Someone say amen. Yeah. This dispense leading up to and the events of and following the crucifix. What do we have happening to the body of Christ Jesus? He's being beaten with rods. Tad of nine tails laid to his back leading up to the cross. Blood that was always there from birth is being shed. Huh? Soldiers are plaiting together a crown of thorns putting on the head of what they think is just a common man with common blood. But that blood come from the seed of a supernatural power and a natural mother. Hallelujah. And whenever that crown was placed upon his head, that blood that was always there in the brow, even of that baby of the manger came to the surface and was evident because of the cross. The nails that was put through the hands and the feet, blood being dispensed. After Christ is already dead and the soldiers trying to decide, amen, what needs to go on here? Uh, is this man, do we need to take him? Should we break the legs? And the Bible says they took that spear and they shoved it in his side. And what came out? Not just water, but also Folks, you, if all you got is a cradle, you have blood still in the veins of Emmanuel. But when you got a cross, you got blood that's dispensed for the healing of the nations, for the for the remedy, the cure of our sin. Someone say Amen. The blood was present in the womb, yes. It was also present in the cradle, yes. But it was undeniable, unmistakably apparent at the cross. So my advice to you here this evening is keep the cross attached to the cradle. Because each achieved their purpose only when they stay linked together. For redemption, you can't have the cross without a cradle. But neither can you have a cradle without a cross. Because we know, and I've preached it and taught it to be true, and we know this scripture, that whatever was born in Bethlehem's manger died on Calvary's tree. And the Bible says that he, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, is the propitiation. This is 1 John 2, 2. Is the propitiation for our sins, but not, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. If we're not careful, we'll be like the young author's little boy. We'll see baby Jesus in one episode and big Jesus in the other one. And never make the connection. Stand with me. I won't hold you much longer. I'm going to admit something to you here this evening. And if you want, you can come up here after service and you can look for yourself. You might have to pull a few things back just to see. When I was over here, Brother Josh, my wife did bring my drill and she brought my battery. And I grabbed the same three 
screws that was in the cross in the cradle last year. I aimed and went into the same hose, lined them up with the hose that was on the cradle. And I began to use that drill, and I even used hand, old good-fashioned, old-fashioned hand screwdriver. I tilted that thing up on the side. I had it this way, that way, and I pressed, and I pushed. Sometimes it slipped, and I pressed, and I pushed. What I'm telling you is this. It was difficult to attach the cross back to the cradle once it had been separated. I used the same screws. I aimed at the same hose, but it was difficult. And if you were to come up here after church tonight, you know what you're going to see between the cross and the cradle? A noticeable gap. It looks as though it's together. Has every appearance that it's just fine. But if you came up and looked tonight, you will see noticeable air and distance between the cross and the cradle. I fell a little short of closing up the gap. I don't know, Brother Josh, what made it so difficult this week. Perhaps it was the swelling of the wood. Perhaps it was temperature changes and seasonal changes. But I just know it was more difficult than it should have been to attach the two back together. Or maybe it was just solely due to the 11 months that it had been apart. So my advice to you tonight, this evening, is don't separate the cross from the cradle. Keep them together. Keep that heavenly mystery of death and life coupled together. Paul spoke of it. Always bearing about my body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also. What? Cross and cradle. Keep the heavenly mystery of those two together because in doing so, their purpose is fulfilled. And you and I, as a result, I got remission of sin. I got redemption in his blood. I got propitiation, or if you will, peace with God and atonement for my life. All because the cross is attached to the cradle. We can lift our hands, bow our heads all across this place tonight. None of them achieve their purpose on their own. None of them achieve their purpose by themselves. Their purpose is forged and their purpose is pushed forward when they're connected and attached one to another. <sighs> Mary hid all things in her heart. There were some things about the Lord that were going to be played out and come to pass. She kept even future events, things that Simeon and Anna said whenever they brought the child to dedicate it before the Lord. There were some things spoken even as Joseph heard in his dream. All these things they held in their heart. Because what the Lord was doing in that moment was attaching the cross to the cradle for them. He said there will be redemption. He'll save, he'll save his people from their sins. But that saving doesn't happen just by him being born. It happens by him dying. It doesn't just happen by you looking into the innocence of a child. It's looking into the face of people that say that he's a, convi a convict. The cross has to be attached to the cradle. Their purpose will be served. 
Don't look at that as an isolated event in December, an isolated event in March or, or April. But every day look at it as it as two events that mirror one another, that connect to one another, that bring about a purposeful end for us, a hope for us. But it's attached. It comes about through their attachment of both. These altars are open tonight. Oh, we want to celebrate the birth of Jesus and we're going to. But realize the same moment that you kneel at the manger and celebrate his birth, you're already rejoicing over his death because the blood that's going to be used for you is already in the child that was conceived and the child that is cradled is the same blood that will flow from a cross. This altar is open tonight for whosoever will. If you're hearing the sound of my voice in your home tonight, and you're just all about right now around the, the reason for the season, sir or ma'am, you need to just cast your eyes through the period of time and birth and see the cross because it's attached. If you somehow separated the two as two separate entities, two separate events, if you don't want to mix and muddle them, I'm sorry, sir or ma'am, you do yourself a disservice. Because we cannot stand remitted. We cannot stand with removal of sin unless there is a conjoining of the cross and the cradle. If you're trying to put it back together tonight and you're finding it difficult and there's a gap, you need to ask for the Lord's help to intervene because we need the blending of the life and the death. We need the blending, if you will, of the conception of the blood. Amen. The delivery of the blood and the dispensing of the blood at Golgotha. The cross must stay attached to. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.